Time now for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester, America's premier automotive news and information talk show. Now, here he is, that automotive journalist with the photographic memory, Ken Chester. Welcome to America's premier automotive news and information talk show. You are tuned to Roadworthy Drive. Welcome. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. So glad you decided to drop by. As usual, there's plenty to explore and discuss for the hour, so best we get started. We will get to the things started here in a few minutes. Uh, in breaking news in a little bit, Car Assembly meets Bionic Man and the other car show. I want to talk about that other car show, and we're going to do that in breaking news. Coming up in the next segment, I thought I'd share a group of stories best described as an autonomous vehicle roundup. Later, I'm going to introduce you to Jasper. If you are a parent of a small child, you're going to want to know him. All that and more right here on Roadworthy Drive. For those of you who want to join the conversation, as always, it's easy. Call or text the Roadworthy Drive line. That number, 872-222-9793. That number is good 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If email is your preference, you can reach out to me. That's Ken at RoadworthyDrive.com. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Friends and listeners of the program know that it takes more than me, believe it or not, to bring Roadworthy Drive to you each and every week. This team effort is guided by the one designated adult at the controls to assume that things happen when and as they should, believe it or not. That gentleman is my friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack DeLeon. Hey there, Jack. Okay, Ken, hello. I need to make a proclamation. Uh-oh. As of right now, I no longer am the adult in the room. Oh, that's That could right. be a problem. No, it's not. Don't we? It's I, my New Year's resolution. Ah, but doesn't don't the suits require us to have a designated adult in the room? Dibs, dibs, right here. Oh no, not a chance. No, they already <laughs> no. told me no, no, no. We're not no, no. The, suit, the suits will not allow that to happen. So I know that's right. Yeah. Well, but then again, let's face one thing: New Year's resolutions are to be broken. So okay. Well, you might break that one early, my friend. Okay, you have me curious. Yes. Car assembly meets the bionic man. Okay, Steve Majors is not going to start building cars? Uh, Not exactly. But it seems that Ford is working with a firm out of California to develop some assistance for their assembly line workers. Now, the name of the company, if I get this right, is Exobionics. They're based in California, of course. Of course. And they build what they call exoskeletons, which are basically robotic robotic assistive systems that people strap into to make walking, lifting, and standing easier. They even made one specifically for Ford called the ExoVest. <laughs> and she's laughing. I'm um, missing it. Because it reminds me of the scene from the Aliens movie mm-hmm. where Sigoni Weaver gets into the machine. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting any help from Jack. No, Not at all. No, no. I never have watched Alien. Well, <gasps> there you go. In any case, folks, uh, they, this exoskeleton uses hydraulics to distribute weight so workers can comfortably raise their arms above their heads for extended periods of time. 
It could actually add uh, up to 15 pounds of assistance per arm. Now, consider this. So 30 total. Yeah. Okay. Some assembly line workers at the average Ford plant lift their arms, get this, some 4,600 times a day. Oh, my gosh. Such that you think that assistance would be like major benefits. Yeah. Not to mention reduce injuries. Yeah. Now, my issue with something like this, with an aging work population, uh-huh. um, and maybe I'm taking the dark side here. Okay. But it would seem to me, if you have uh, people with these outfits, mm-hmm. that you can manipulate the uh, assembly process in such a way that they literally have to have them in order to either meet a sped up line or more challenging designs where a human might have a hard time, but somebody with this kind of assistance would not. Okay. So just just a little, I'm just a little little dark well, about protection and safety. I just I think it's very interesting because it only adds thirty pounds more than what the person standard could lift. Yeah, but in an auto assembly plant, that's a lot. Okay. Particularly rep- repetitive motion. Kind lady, you ain't lifting no 50, 100, 200 pounds on a line. You're already going to have equipment that's going to bring it and place it for you because you wouldn't last two vehicles. Okay. So they're looking at ways to make this easier. And let's be honest, uh, the average, what they're saying in a nice way, not only is the workforce getting older, but people in a plant are getting older. Yeah. Which means <clears throat> as you get older, obviously your physical attributes diminish. So if you could find a way to maintain um, uh, the strength and the capability, then, you know, you're going to be money ahead. Now, they're only doing it with a couple of, I think they're evaluating four suits and two assembly plants in the Detroit area right now. So it's not something that Ford is rolling out immediately. And uh, to be honest with you, there are some other makers looking at this, too. Um, I want to say in Japan, uh, they're looking at, and this is not just Ford, but other companies like Hyundai and Panasonic are developing similar suits to help their laborers over in Japan. Well, it's, I'm glad that they're helping them. Yeah. But, but, but again, I've got, the, I've got the same question that you have, Ken. At what point does somebody in management manipulate the suit to move you faster? Well, they wouldn't manipulate the suit. they manipulate the line. Okay. But here's the thing. Or designs. If you have a design where a person using the suit can get into a tricky place or something, mm-hmm. it could affect vehicle design, the layout of the plant, uh, the speed of the line, all those things. So... It, it, and this is why they have unions. So it will be interesting to see the unions take on this because there was nothing in that story that talked about the union one way or another, pro or con. And and I think you're right. Okay, Ken, let's go to topic number two. Now, this one I'm going to say we should have approached the suits a long time before this mm-hmm. because I think you have two other people in this room right now mm-hmm. that would absolutely <laughs> love uh, to you, go do, to you do realize the, these are the same suits that can't buy a chair. I understand that. A chair. I understand a that. Chair. Uh, Ken, a chair. A comfortable chair. As you used to tell me, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, a chair. So now you're saying that, that this show in Las Vegas oh, yes, yes. Sir. is the, consumer, the next car show. The Consumer Electronics Show. Yes. Uh, actually ran from September 9th, I'm sorry, January 9th through the 12th. Yep. Um, and it's becoming more and more of an automotive venue. It used to be Consumer Electronics. Right. You know, the latest TV, the coolest gadget, things like the that. The fastest computer. Yeah. Now... Um, you're just as likely to have uh, the autonomous people, the electronics people from the auto industry. They're showing off cool stuff. In okay. fact, one company is even showing you an entire autonomous interior that has biometric sensors in the seats to monitor passenger health. And I okay. told, and honestly, told you that was coming. Yes, you did. I told you that was coming. So I'm not surprised at that. Uh, Nissan is bringing their autonomous crossover that they showed in Japan to this show it also boasts wait for it 373 miles of battery range how wait, far what almost 400 miles 400 miles 373 miles yes i'll take one i kind of thought you would yep uh, an autonomous crossover so how many can it sit yeah nick say on a sit nay oh. yeah not that many it's small. Wait, well, then how can it be a crossover? Because it's a crossover. How can you put a two-seater as a crossover? I didn't say it was a two-seater. It's a one-seater? I didn't say that either. Is it like a half-a-person-seater? Uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> some, some people are just haters. That's all I got. No, we're asking an honest question. How yeah. many of these, how many people can sit in this vehicle? Right. You know, more, more than two, less than six. Five. <laughs> New math. I love Wait, are it. we are we actually using the trunk to also fit a person? Because no, then no, 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 no. Oh. Um, also at the CES <laughs> mm-hmm. is something called Rin Speed's Snap Mobility, where you will actually be able to add exchange <gasps> yes! bodies. Yes, on what they call a roller skate, which is what the uh, operating system, the electric motor, and the batteries are actually uh, part of. So cool stuff coming, and we'll talk later. Um, when we come back, uh, we will be talking about the Autonomous Vehicle Roundup. And later, you're going to get a chance to meet Jasper. And that's somebody you'd kind of want to meet, Sasha. Yay. He has something to share with you. This is Roadworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Sedan, a truly well-made luxury car for around $9,000. The new 1973 Ford LTD Brougham, a truly quiet luxury car priced thousands less. Quiet is the sound of a well-made car. The Jaguar's a bit more powerful, of course. Well, you'd expect that for the money. Four-wheel power disc brakes, cut pile carpeting. The LTD, front power disc brakes, cut pile carpeting too. Power steering, automatic transmission. Standard here too. Power window option. In LTD2, plus a power mini vent. You can have a reclining seat in the LTD. (laughs) 
Now I'm sure your five-passenger Jaguar is worth its price. Yet LTD offers the same kind of luxury features for thousands less. And it seats six. Ford LTD, where quiet is the sound of a well-made car. See it. Drive it at your Ford dealers now. If you're just tuning in, welcome to the second segment of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Now, one of the main topics we discuss on a regular basis on this show is the evolving technology and super large industry known as the self-driving or autonomous car. Now, I know there are haters out there. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. This coming tsunami of change has its pros and cons amongst the Roadworthy Drive staff, even, as you can tell. But be assured, dear listener, this is indeed coming, and it's going to change your life. So, Jack, get over it. <laughs> Indirectly, or directly, you have been on this ride since 2011, and I bet you had no idea. I did not. Uh-huh. Incrementally, you are being nudged towards this future, and I feel it's my job. No, it's my obligation to break out of a proverbial roadmap and explain where we are where we are going, and most importantly, share the ways in which you and your family, every, their everyday lives will, not maybe, be changed. And let me tell you something. They're going to change a lot sooner than you think, sooner rather than later. And like we've been t- reporting here over the last couple of years, it's been changing in small ways for some time now. Mm-hmm. So trust me, in so many more ways than what might be currently a obvious to you right now. Now, I've compared a few stories to share with you during the segment, and I've taken the liberty to lump them under the title of an autonomous vehicle roundup. And I want to start with the first one, because I looked at this, and honest to God, it looks like a milk carton that's been folded in, is what it looks like. Sweden's, Sweden has a company, uh, Ian Ride, I believe is how you pronounce that. I'm going to read this to you. Uh, the technology company Edenride will present a new type of vehicle, the T-Pod, to the American market, and they're going to be at the Detroit Auto Show here in about a week. The T-Pod is an electric, autonomous transport vehicle that's designed and developed to be competitive to heavy-duty trucks. Elon Musk, look out. Mm-hmm. Now, this thing is invented and designed from the ground up for a battery, electric propulsion, and self-driving technology. For example, the T-Pod, I keep wanting to say T-Bag, but (laughs) T-Pod, has no cab or driver's seat. Like It looks like you took a milk carton and folded it in, is really what it looks like to me. Um, It's part of a transport system that uses the benefits of self-driving and electric propulsion to create a cost-competitive and emission-free transport alternative. It's coming, folks. We told you. Is this similar to like that the bubble, like that vehicle where it was literally like two wheels and then it was like this transparent? No, but it's more like that one firm uh, called the Change of the Charge, where you could build it in a small plant and change literally its okay. configuration. All right, yeah, more like that. Okay. All right. uh, basically, if you're looking at the average eighteen wheeler, okay, you're in low six digits to, to buy one. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys fight over tenths of a cent in fuel cost, right? Because a full nickel 
you know, if you're burning diesel fuel and they get so poor a fuel economy, you know, any change in fuel prices has big swings for profitability if you're a big company or if you're an owner-operator. Right. We also talked about on this show the coming, or really we're in the midst of, the trucking driver crisis, where there is a growing number of uh, trucks wanting for drivers, and that right now, if the numbers are right, they're short about 24,000 drivers, and that's expected to go to 48,000 pretty quick. Wow. And we talked about it here on this show. So, again, nothing new. And this is another in the autonomous world, and I told you that this is going to be indicative of what we're going to see in the next 10 years. A whole bunch of different approaches to these everyday problems. A driver shortage, getting the cost of trucking down since just about everything that you touch or taste has been delivered by a truck. Trucks are everywhere, yet there is a growing gap between the number of trucks needed and the number of drivers needed. That's going to happen. Now, something else that I wanted to talk about, Renault, and it's called Renault, not Renault. 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 Yeah, I'm Renault. Thank you. (laughs) They have unveiled a working prototype level four autonomous car. Really? Yeah. The reason why this matters is that Renault is a sister company to Nissan. Mm. You know, the folks working with the brain, the vehicle technology. That's more fun. Yes. And uh, Mitsubishi, who they just bought a controlling stake in last year. So the thing is, they includes three large monitors where passengers can look up directions or watch movies on a high definition screen inside. Now, here's the thing. They said, and I quote, that journalists can hop inside a fully functional Renault prototype and taste the future a lot of prototypes look pretty right show you what they're going to do this thing works now really unlike faraday future remember (laughs) when they were at cds last year at the consumer electronics show and it bombed yeah (laughs) they call it the first rolling prototype built to be autonomous from the ground up wow and Symbios, Symbios, it's S-Y-M-B-I-O-Z, Symbios, tries to offer a glimpse of what mobility might look like. Uh, not in 2030, people. 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, five years? Five years. Five years. Yep. From now. Yep. We're in 2018. Five years. My second daughter will be a senior in high school. Five years. Five years. Here's the thing. Um, this will allow level four autonomous driving, which means you'll be able to switch off and let the car do the work. That is, adjust the speed according to the car in front of it, keep its lane even when cornering, <coughs> and even safely overtake when the situation allows it. That's passing. Means passing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Two electric motors come with it. What's the range on it? Uh, they did not say, but... You know, we'll find out as that comes up. Uh, When we come back, and we will come back, (laughs) excuse me, meet Jason. He means you nothing but good, Sasha. I've heard that a lot. And for the final segment, and I'm going to be ranting on this, mixing pot and driving is not okay. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. 
to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. This is segment number three of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. For those of you who have yet to check out our new and improved website, I got one question for you. What are you waiting for? An invitation. Uh, okay, consider this your invitation to www.roadworthydrive.com. It's all new, a new look, and a better way to navigate around the site. Heck, it's even mobile, phone friendly. We've made it better so that you can find more of the stuff you want easily. From the videos of our behind-the-scenes antics while producing the show in studio to audio clips of previous shows and more. It's a great way to discover where and what we're doing across the landscape that's social media. Sasha keeps things fun, interesting, and thought-provoking as she posts tidbits during the week between shows. See how Sasha keeps the social in our social media. You'll be glad that you did. Child booster seats. Now, Sasha, do you have any children that, uh, I know you've got girls, but you should have at least, what, two that should still be in a child booster seat legally? That That is a very good way of putting it. They should be in one. And why are they not? Uh, because they're at, they're tall. So it's one of those things where they're actually a little too big for the booster seat. Well, then you probably need to meet Jason here. Okay. Uh, the, is it Jason or Jasper? Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. You're right. It is Jasper. Thank you. Ah. I got Jason on the mind. I don't know. <laughs> don't know where that came from. But you're right. It's Jasper. Thank you. That's why we have a designated adult That's, in the room. Yep. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh-huh. Uh, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety has developed a specially designed dummy to simplify the organization's child booster seat evaluations. And his name, honestly, is Jasper. And here's why you should get to know him. Now, up till now, they really haven't had a a dummy that they could use that would give them consistent measurements. All right. And what they were using before was actually a six a a a crashed a crash dummy mm-hmm. uh, that was six years old, which was expensive. It didn't really work for the purpose they wanted, which was to evaluate child booster seats in terms of fit uh, in the seat, uh, whether the belt came across the right point, right, depending right. how it's set up. Uh, what they were using didn't get that done. Okay, so they actually went out and had Jasper design. And Jasper, that actually means something. And let me get, yeah, it's like anything. Right. It is actually an abbreviation. Of course, it is. Uh, it's an acronym uh-huh. for ju. Oh my goodness, <laughs> juvenile anthropomorphic seatbelt position evaluation rig. I need you to say that five times Alpha- fast. Yeah, I ain't happening. Um. That replaced the 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 uh, hybrid three six year old, which had some shortcomings by the, because of the way it was made. Right. That was a crash test dummy designed for crashing mm-hmm. and evaluating. What they're doing now is they want to evaluate, uh, like I said, whether or not the child booster seat does its job. Here's the thing: they started using it last year. Okay. To evaluate 16 new boosters. All right. Now, they've got 
Now, like anything else, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety has ratings. Uh, Their top rating is called a best bet. Mm -hmm. It's to provide good belt fit for typical four to eight-year-olds in almost any car, minivan, or SUV. Mm -hmm. The next one down is called a good bet. Provides acceptable belt fit, seat belt fit, in most cars, minivans, or SUVs. Then they have something called not recommended. Kind of speaks for itself. Doesn't provide good belt fit, and their words should be avoided. And then finally, they have something where they call it they call it check fit. Has varied results depending on child size and vehicle model. So it would seem to me that if you're in the market for a child booster seat, you're looking at a best bet in the ideal world or a good bet. Did it happen to list which models or which style? Actually, they did. Of course they did. They listed a whole bunch of them. Of course. Now... Excuse me. Of the ratings now, over the years, they have tested 151 booster seats currently on the market. Okay. 118 of those were best bet. Nine were good bet. Oh. Only one was not recommended. Four other seats that were not recommended were discontinued. Oh, okay. So really, there's only one on the market that's just saying... Run, don't walk away from. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, getting into this, they said that Jasper would be easier to use and cheaper to buy and obtain replacement parts for. Because it's more accessible, we hope that booster manufacturers will be able to use it in-house as part of the design process for new seats. Something somebody didn't think about. Now... They talked about the shortcomings of some of the other models that they had used in the past. Like, for example, um, now, would you believe, before I get into that, Jasper weighs 45 pounds. 45? 45 pounds. 45 pounds. So, all together, they created a lifelike. Like, does it have sensors across the, like, in the limbs and so on and well, so forth? Well, here's a strange thing. Okay. Remember, this particular dummy is used to evaluate child booster seats, mm-hmm. not crash study data. No arms, no legs. <sighs> think about it, booster seat, torso, belt fit, yeah, and how the belt works. That's what they're going for. Okay, because if but- you're in a booster seat, your arms are out here, your legs are out here. Ain't gonna do none for yeah, you. Yeah, I know. I've I've had one in booster seats, and they literally flail all over the place. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So when you look at the picture, uh, that's what it looks like. Okay, but how? Just because the belt fits it correctly, and it, you know, the child is stabilized. How do they know how it would react? Because the whole reason why you have your child in a booster seat and buckled up is in case you crash, not just going down the road. Right, but remember. You still have the hybrid three six-year-old that they're using for actual crash data. So they start there. Okay. They're fine-tuning it with this. Okay. All right. So, I mean, they haven't thrown that totally away. They're still using that. Okay. So, theoretically, you would have two different tests. You okay. Have, yeah. I have a question. Yes, sir. Why in the world wouldn't you want arms and legs on Jasper to get crash data because... How that? How is that booster seat okay. going to work in a crash? Here's the thing. Here's what you're losing. They're still using their six-year-old hybrid, the, the hybrid three six-year-old prototype for crash evaluation. 
with legs and all that. So they're getting that information. This is secondary information to evaluate uh, how, how the booster seat uh, protects the child in terms of because the whole purpose of a booster seat is to lift the child up so the belts will work. I mean, bottom line, that's what the booster seat's all about. And what holds the booster seat into place? Ah, you don't really need it the weight of the child. So, food for thought on that. And I'm sure we haven't heard the last of it. Um, when we come back for this hour's final segment, um, I get to rant a little bit. Uh, we'll be talking about how mixing pot and driving is not okay. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive is a cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. This is the fourth and last segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ken Chester. Now, around the holidays, I usually do a safety program that cautions my listeners against the dangers of driving impaired. This past season, I drew a tighter beat as I didn't just talk about drunk driving, but also distracted driving and even drowsy driving, which, believe it or not, is a thing. I expanded my show to include a segment on drugged driving, complete with statistics. Now, with the recent events in the news regarding the leading drug found in drug drivers, and yeah, I'm talking about marijuana, otherwise known as pot or weed, I thought I would revisit my earlier comments and add some from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. And this is kind of a quasi-rant, but not totally. But let me be clear. Mixing the use of weed with driving a vehicle is not only not okay, it is dangerous as driving drunk. Which, by the way, happens to be the two of the substances that are often found together when young folks are caught driving under the influence. What bothers me, and it's reported that some parents think that driving and weed together are okay. Uh, yeah, it's not. The following rant by Ken Chester is the opinion of all three of us in this room. I know that's right. Now, let me read. I'm reading from this. I get... I get monthly uh, newsletters from the Institute, Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. Okay. Here's the headline. Set me off. Some teens' parents think mixing pot and driving is okay. Uh, uh, no, it's not. Okay, but I, I have to say this just because I, as a mom, I find this kind of hard to believe. Could it be just that a bunch of teenagers accessed their parents' account and answered those questions instead of their parents? Let me read it to you. Oh, no. Although a majority of teens recognize that driving impaired is dangerous, roughly a third of teens and a quarter of parents of licensed teens wow. think it is legal to drive under the influence of marijuana in states that permit recreational use of the drug for adults. This is a survey by Liberty Mutual Insurance and Students Against Destructive Decisions found. 
88 wow. percent of 2,800 high schoolers surveyed and 93 percent of 1,000 parents surveyed agreed that out, while alcohol and prior driving is dangerous, while 68 percent of the teens and 76 percent of the parents said that driving under the influence of marijuana is risky. Parents, what are you thinking? I just... 24% of the parents in that survey said it was okay. It is not okay. Okay. Did they make the distinction, and I'm sorry that we have to do this, but did they make the distinction between the medical-grade marijuana, so the ones that they're smoking just for the certain chemical compound that would help with like their epilepsy and so on and so forth, or are they talking about the marijuana that is solely for... Uh, what do you may call it? I read high. this to you again? Oh gosh, uh, that it is legal in states to drive under the no. The, they think it is legal to drive under the influence of marijuana in states that permit recreational use of the drug for adults. Means California. I, I mean, I'm just trying to give some kind of logic to this obviously insane. Opinion. I don't think there's any logic that you can put here. I just uh, I have pulled out my uh, notes on the show that we did right. against impaired driving. Uh huh. And I'm going to read this again. One recent study, and this is from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's roadside study, roadside survey of alcohol and drug use by drivers, found a large increase in the number of drivers using marijuana or other illegal drugs. And they're looking across the country not just in the states where it's legal. In 2014, this survey, nearly one in four drivers tested positive for at least one drug that could affect safety. Yeah, I'm letting that sink in for a minute. I just, I... Mm -hmm. I don't get this. I don't. Second, I really don't. A second survey, the largest of its kind ever conducted, assessed whether marijuana use by drivers is associated with greater risk of crashes. The survey found that marijuana users are more likely to be involved in accidents, but that the increased risk may be due in part because marijuana users are more likely to be in groups of higher risk of crashes. In particular, marijuana users are more likely to be young men, a group already at high risk. And, may I add this, also likely to be drinking as well. Okay, so I think that we all understand what the problem is here. We just need to get rid of all young men. Uh, yeah, no, not happening. <laughs> And I mean, and that's just that's just marijuana. And when we talked about this last month, they talked about other dr other drugs like meth, which could make you aggressive and reckless when driving. Uh, road rage, somebody. What was that drug that was hitting all over? That it was like literally gave people like superhuman strength, and they Est were ecstasy. I can't pronounce it. Ecstasy. Was Thank it e ecstasy? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or angel dust or something like that. But yeah. Yeah, let me read this. I'm still reading from the uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. We, it is difficult to determine how specific drugs affect driving because people tend to mix various substances, uh, wait for it, including alcohol. <laughs> but we do know, may I say that again? We know that even small amounts of some drugs can have a measurable effect. Now, here's what you don't know. And we're not talking about the state. Well, we are talking about uh, include states with recreational use legal. Some states have zero tolerance laws for drug driving. That means 
A person can face charges for driving under the influence if there is any amount of drug in their blood or urine. Okay, now what kind of drug? Any kind of illicit drug. Okay, so illegal drug. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so we're not talking about prescriptions. See, that's what I was well, going but, for. But, but then but again, you got to start talking about oxycodone, too. We've talked about that in an earlier show. Yep. yep. Uh, and they're still trying to get their hands around it as at what point does even a prescription drug take it wrong? Maybe you took a double dose this morning and maybe you forgot to take it. Even if I take a standard dose of what, you know, what mine would be for, you know, pain, my oxycodone, it's not something that I would necessarily drive which is why they tell you, as part of the black box uh, warning, right. do not drive or operate heavy machinery while taking this drug. But you know what? Here in five years, we're not going to worry about it anyway because everything's going to be autonomous. Ten years, but that's okay. Yeah, well, you know. You know, and there are laws. Here's the thing. In every single state, there's some level of laws against drugged driving. Right. The question is... is how they're determined, how they're applied, and when they apply them. Mm-hmm. So, people, people, if you're driving impaired, no matter what, it's not okay. And I hope these closing thoughts stay with you, and let's work all together to reduce death and injury on our roads and highways. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. You have been tuned to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.